Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Do you know what today is? Of course you do. We've only waited all summer for tonight, but will we have to wait a while longer to see the king in action? Meanwhile, the mission to dethrone the Warriors begins tonight with the new-look Rockets first up and the defending champion Cubs at home and hoping it's not for the winter. Madden makes a lineup move. What else does Chicago do differently at Wrigley? And you know how we do on the best 60 minutes of your day. Here's our 6 at 6, including the Sixers pumping the brakes on the process and the latest in Zeke's appeals process. The left ankle, LeBron's brain, 20 days ago, has been not just a game-time decision for tonight's opener, but a total game-time decision, according to a source familiar with the Kings thinking via Dave McMinimum. Danger? Grave dangers, any other kind. Anyway, J.R. Smith said yesterday to trust him, James is going to go. D-Wade said the same today. Last we heard from LeBron was via Twitter, or should I say Snapchat. Looked like he was in a real good mood, rocking out to the Gap Band. My favorite is you can't keep running in and, out, in and out of my life. Drop the bomb on me. Whatever you want to do, all good. Looking good, feeling good. But we all know what tonight is all about. Kyrie's first game back in Cleveland. The team has a video tribute plan, which, regardless of why and how he left, is appropriate, seeing as though he gave the city the gift of the first and only pro sports championship that many Cleveland fans experienced in their adult lives. Cheer what he did in the Cavs uniform, people. Boo him in the Boston uniform. Speaking of adulthood... This was literally just a decision that I wanted to make solely based on my happiness and pushing my career forward. Um, I don't want to pinpoint anything. I mean, never pinpoint anything because that's not what real grown-ups do. Um, they continue to move on with their life and continue to progress, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. And I'm just happy to get the season started, um, regardless of who we play, but um, obviously it's, it's made a much bigger deal because it's the Cleveland Cavaliers and um, the situation. Um, you know, that happened this summer. It's truly appreciative to, to honestly have this opportunity to play the game on the biggest stage. And, you know, and be back here in Cleveland is, uh, you know, start of the season. Feels feels different, but, uh, you know, ready to get started. Yeah, Kyrie said he didn't want to pinpoint anything because that's not what real grown-ups do as it relates to his departure from Cleveland. We now go to Cleveland with Dave McMenamin. Oh, I like what we're doing here with this box thing. This is new. Uh, LeBron, the game-time decision, the total game-time decision as you characterize it. Uh, what factors will go into making this decision, and are the Cavs leaning either way at this moment so far as you know? Michael, the way they've allowed LeBron to manage his body the last three years is when it gets to a situation like this, it's only up to one guy, LeBron James. So he will see how his body responds to his pregame workout. He was already out here on the court around 5.15 Eastern, uh, just under three hours before the start of tip-off, going through, you know, catch-and-shoot drills, putting the ball on the floor, one-dribble pull-ups, getting a lather. Uh, And if you think about it, Michael, he played in a preseason game a week ago. He has not had any major setback since. He did tweak the angle in that game, but it wasn't a major setback. So you'd have to believe he will play in tonight's game. Uh, you don't know how many minutes he's played or, or how effective he will be, but he will most likely be in the lineup, feel the adrenaline rush of the arena, and be able to manage his body from there. All right, and as you know, Dave, what a difference a year makes. Much different starting lineup tonight for the Cavs in this time a year ago. Three new starters, and that doesn't include Kevin Love playing a new position. Uh, what do you expect Ty Lue's rotation to look like in the early going starting tonight? 
Well, people are pointing to this backcourt as poison. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, sure, a former, former Finals MVP, a former League MVP, but the two guys combined to make less than one three-pointers uh, per game last year, which would have been the worst starting backcourt in the league. But what people fail to recognize is that they combined to average 17.5 points per game in the paint, which would have been the best starting backcourt in the league, beating the Wizards, uh, Washington Wizards combination of Bradley Beal and John Wall. Uh, Ty Lue will make sure that those guys aren't playing exclusively together. You'll see Derrick Rose starting the game, coming out about midway through the, the first quarter, and then Rose will run the second unit and be able to play with shooters, with J.R. Smith on one wing, Kyle Korver on the other, and be able to use his penetration to set up open shots. This is eight new players in the Cavs this year. It's going to take some time for them all to get together on the same page, but the Cavs are banking on having enough high IQ players, uh, high talent players, to figure this out come April. High IQ, high talent. That's Dave McMiniman in a nutshell. Thanks for the knowledge, man. We appreciate it. You know it's lit when the Kyrie Cavs reunion is the undercard. Rockets Warriors, top two teams in the NBA, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. And according to ESPN.com's preseason player rankings, this game features five of the NBA's top ten players, with the newcomer, of course, being CP3. Within the hour, the Warriors announced, though, that Andre Guadala is out with a back strain. Warriors won 11 of the last 12 regular season games against the Rockets. Chris Paul has taken seven straight L's against the Warriors. Last defending champ to lose on opening night was the Mavericks back in 2011-2012. You get your ring and other guys already have one. You've thought about the emotions you're going to feel and you sort of think it'll affect you at all? It's more so just cool as hell more than anything. It's just like, man, like I said over there, it's like getting just a prized possession that you're just really excited about versus like getting something that's going to change your life. You know what I mean? It's like it's a different dynamic for me. They constructed a nice team and stuff like that, but now it's about you know, all of us, you know, building the right culture and buying into the process and enjoying the grind of it. You know what I mean? The, the, the good nights that you win, the nights where it's close game and you got to figure out ways to win. So we just, I mean, I'm sure every team says it, but you got to like fall in love with that process of it. Not too high, not too low. Be sure to check out Jackie Max piece in ESPN the magazine about the process that led Chris Paul to team up with James Harden to try to take down those Warriors. Ramona Shelburne is in Oakland going from asking Kevin Durant about getting his ring to answering my questions. What's Golden State's overall approach <laughs> to rest this season, Ramona? Well, listen, like, you know how the Spurs kind of invented the idea of resting during the season? I had one Golden State official tell me yesterday, we may go full Spurs this year. I mean, they've gone to three straight finals, and now there's, they're trying to go to a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. This is a team that is thinking about history and legacy at this point. It's not just about this year, it's about and beyond. And, you know, they, they basically said, we understand the NBA has a policy now that they're trying to emphasize players playing in marquee games, and they appreciate the schedule's been stretched out, but their job is to be ready to come to go come June and so you know you see Andre Iguodala sitting out like this is the start of this now they may not sit four guys out in a night of scheduled rest but if anybody so much as has a a sore thumb they're they're gonna (laughs) rest because they need to make sure their guys are ready come June and I think Mike one of the things that people haven't talked about a lot is they just they just got back from China Mm. okay and I talked to Steph Curry this morning at shoot around he said you know it's a really good thing that China trip was scheduled for this year and not last year because the Warriors know how to play together they've had KD on the team but last year they used 
training camp to work him in. I mean, if you remember last year, opening night, they did not have a good opening night. The Spurs got in front of them in the second quarter. Right. And so they, they said, you know, we had that whole training camp. We needed that whole training camp. This year, they spent half a training camp flying to China, flying back from China. They had some time, but people are jet lagged. People are tired. They really only had a few good days of practice in training camp. And so a couple of people said, you know, they're not where they need to be yet. Right. They're a little rusty. And so I think you might see some of that tonight on the court. All right, Ramona, you take a rest while I read this next VO. The Sixers won't let the process be great. <laughs> and maybe a minute's limit, though, is, quote, somewhere in the teens is the best thing for him out of the gate starting to Tomorrow night against the Warriors on ESPN. Plug uh, Embiid, who hasn't played a regular season game. The Wizards, excuse me. I said Warriors, didn't I? Game against January 27th uh, and played fewer than 15 minutes in both preseason games. Told reporters today, this is a prison on planet. No, he didn't really say that, but he said it's BS. He said, I wish I was playing more minutes. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for more than whatever number they have. I don't know. I wish I was playing more, but we're going to see how that goes. Ramona, he also told Philly.com that I got a voice. They got to listen to me. If I feel great and my body feels great and my (laughs) knee is fine, I should play 30 minutes or more. And B Mm -hmm. said, I definitely have my opinion on that. They're going to hear from me. We're going to discuss it. What can you tell us about the Sixers thinking when it comes to the process? What's their thought process? Yeah, listen. You know what? Do you know what Joel Embiid is like? Like everything he does is a thousand percent, and so that's part of the reason they were cautious this year and bringing him back, even clearing him for five on five. Like he was ready before they cleared him, but you know they just said, "Look, we need to make sure he's really ready, right?" Because when you turn Joel loose, you can't stop him. He's just going to go a thousand miles an hour, and so I think a lot of this is just everybody getting comfortable with the idea of like, "Okay, he's really. We got to really let him run. We got to really let him go." And you see with the injury history, but also. They just invested a lot of money in him. Right. I think it's going to take some time for them to get comfortable with that. And him talking him talking out and saying what he's saying, that'll help that process a lot. Well, yeah, look, it sounds nice now to say we're going to manage it. The, the time for baby and him is over. This mm-hmm. entire team has got to grow up. It's one thing to bring Markel Fultz off yeah. the bench, but we've been waiting on Ben Simmons, yep. waiting on Joel Embiid. If he's healthy and it's not something yep. that will put him in danger of re-injuring it, if he's not just injury-prone and at risk of re-injury, you got to unleash this guy mm-hmm. and let them take that next step in the winning process and not just keep bringing him along slowly. Like, we've seen enough of that. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah. It's go time. Ramona, we're going to let you go. Enjoy tonight. We appreciate the knowledge. All right, to baseball. The Cubs have never come back to win a best-of-seven series after trailing 2-0. Then again, the Dodgers haven't had much success when leading in that situation. They've lost three of their previous five series, for whatever that's worth. Not much. When leading 2-0. That's the only franchise all-time with a losing record of 2-0. Oh, and 35 of the 36 teams take a 3-0 lead in a best-of-seven postseason series. Went on to win that series. So the Cubs know what they're up against. Joe Madden has benched Javi Baez, replacing him with Ben Zobris. Kyle Schwarber is hitting second. Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant, a combined 9 for 73 with four extra base hits this postseason. They combined to hit 283 with 22 extra base hits last postseason. Pedro Gomez, what are the Cubs saying about getting their bats going tonight and getting back in this series? Michael, more than anything, they're talking about how it's a confidence issue. It's also something about getting their strike zone organized because the Dodgers pitchers have been definitely tossing them up in the zone. Joe Madden, however, shook things up today. You can you talked about it right there. Javi Baez to the bench. He's arguably the best defensive player on the Cubs, and it's something that Madden really, really had to grapple with because up the middle you want defense. But you look at the lineup, all of a sudden Zobrist one, Schwarber two, these are things that are definitely different from what the Cubs have done all postseason. And here's the rationale behind that. 
I hate playing any game of baseball without Javi on the field because he's such a dynamic defender. He's been a big part of our defense, and hopefully grab a lead and get him in the in the game later. But uh, put those two guys on the top primarily. Um, if you looked at their, the way they're matching up things, if you put those two guys down lower, there's less probability of them hitting against a right-handed pitcher in the latter part of the game. We'll see. Um, if you grab a lead, it becomes moot. If you don't, it becomes more critical. Now, look, the Cubs have only seven hits in these first two games, but they're not the only ones that shook up their lineup. When you look at that Dodger lineup today, all of a sudden you've got Andre Ethier, Chase Utley, as well as Jock Peterson. So manager Dave Roberts also shaking things up, looking to inject more offense into this night where the field, by the way, the wind, by the way, Michael, Mm -hmm. is blowing out to center field tonight. You know that that could always make a difference. Good to know, although the Dodgers may not need much offense behind you, Darvish. He has the .74 ERA, his last four starts. And then if it gets to the pin, the Cubs so far 0 for 24 against the Dodgers pin this series. The only time they reached base was a hit by a pitch. So we'll see if Madden's moves definitely get the uh, Cubs back in the series. Thank you, Pedro Gomez. Meanwhile, U.S. District Court Judge Paul Crotty is expected to rule within the hour. And if he does, we'll bring it to you on Sports Center on Ezekiel Elliott's motion for a temporary restraining order, which would keep the suspended running back on the field. So stay tuned throughout the hour. When we know, you will know. So many new faces in new places. We see a new and improved from his next days, Derrick Rose. Starting at least to start the season with IT on the men in that Cavs backcourt with Dwayne Wade ready to rock and roll as we are to kick off the 2017-18 NBA season. So as I mentioned, so many new familiar faces in new places. All 16 of these players are in new cities. There's 76 combined all-star appearances. That's the most of any group of players to switch teams in NBA history. We see five of them in action tonight, including four in Cavs, Celtics. I mentioned Derrick Rose, D-Wade, and of course they play host to old friend Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward coming up at 8 Eastern. Alright, we welcome in Stephen A. Smith, who is coming to us live from Cleveland. Uh, first and foremost, Stephen A., the big question is whether LeBron will in fact play. What do you know about his status for tonight? Total game time decision, Dave McMenamin says. And secondly, Stephen A., how important should it be to LeBron James to play in this game? Well, first of all, I think it's a questionable decision in terms of, you know, whether as to whether or not he's going to play. He's listed as questionable. I sincerely doubt that he's going to miss tonight's game. Now, in the grand scheme of things, Michael, is it important that he plays? No. LeBron James has been to seven consecutive Thank NBA you. finals. It's just a regular season game. What matters most is what he does between mid-April to June. But I would say to you that tonight, specifically tonight's game, is the exception, and here's the reason why. Okay. Kyrie Irving, he's the reason Kyrie Irving left in part. Not the total reason. There were other elements that came into the equation. But Kyrie Irving has basically told the world he didn't want to be his teammate any longer. So when you're talking about LeBron James, the leader, it's one thing to be the champion, the league MVP, the best player in the world. But when you're the self-proclaimed leader, and deservedly so because we all know that you are, and a star that's in this league that has helped this franchise to a championship for the first time in more than a half century decides to part ways from you, 
there's a reason why. We don't know all the reasons. I'm not sure I want to know all the damn reasons. <laughs> but what it comes down to is that he left in part because of you, and now he returns against the team who is considered your number one contender within the Eastern Conference on right. opening night, a nationally televised game. If you don't show up because you're LeBron James, we're not going to think about your ankle injury. What we're going to wonder is why really, why did you really not play considering the Iron Man that you are? And that's just going to allow that storyline to percolate. I don't think LeBron James wants that, so he's going to be out on the court that's tonight a, that's handling inter- his business. That's what I'm predicting. That's an interesting theory, Stephen A. We go even Stephen now. We got Stephen Jackson <laughs> in the studio with me right now. So uh-huh. I'll make sure What's I distinguish up, who oh, I'm talking to here. Like, look, y'all both love yeah, movies right. as much as I do. This isn't love in basketball. Right. Like, LeBron James is not playing for Kyrie Irving's heart. So right. it's not, he's gone. He's not coming back. And this is a guy that keeps referring to him as the kid. For me, while I'm interested in seeing the interaction, and yes, it's a it's a it's drama in terms of the, their first time getting together, and maybe they end up switching on each other, being one on one, whatever. I look at it from a Cavaliers perspective. As much as I want to see LeBron, Stephen Jackson, I'm almost more interested in seeing what the Cavs do without him because we know where they're going to be, which is at minimum in the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals, and we know what their weakness has been right. when LeBron doesn't play. Right. So Ty Lue says they're better than the team that's gone four and twenty-three the last three years without LeBron. I would like to see that tonight. I think LeBron, if he can't go, it's about Game Seven, not Game One, as far as I'm concerned. Stephen Jackson. Yeah, and I, I, I think he should play, but it's a similar situation. Like Stephen A. is the OG. I'm the little homie. That's the same situation with LeBron, <laughs> with LeBron and, uh, and Kyrie. Uh-huh. Big homie and the little homie. OG and little homie. But I think he needs to play not only just to, to see where he's, at, where he's at with his ankle, but for leadership. First game of the season, you got to have all your teammates out there. This game doesn't matter, but I think he should be there just for, just for the betterment of the team. But you know if he could, he would. Well, he could, he would. I think he will. Okay, Stephen A.? Well, the one thing I want to add to that, Michael, is this. Here's the part that I think you got to pay attention mm-hmm. to. LeBron James doesn't need it as an individual per se, right. but the leadership that, Steve, that 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 Stephen spoke, uh, you know, alluded to, is exactly what I was alluding to because of the effect that it's going to have on the team. And you mm-hmm. may say you're more interested in seeing what the team will do without mm-hmm. LeBron. My response to you, Michael, would be this: Why would you want to see that? Because if the <laughs> that's Cleveland why Cavaliers are going to win a championship, that's it. If the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to win a championship, they ain't doing it without LeBron. What they so lost anything it last, that you but Stephen needs to be with LeBron on the floor. But Stephen A, they lost it last year when he went to the bench. Yeah, that was like, this, the, the people are saying this may be the best supporting cast he's had once IT comes and, back. They lost and, it and, against and the I'm, Warriors when he, when he sat out. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, 10 times out of 10 times against Golden State, a yeah. caliber of a team like that, they're going to lose without LeBron James on the no floor. No question. Get over it. But it, maybe, they don't, maybe they don't get the doors blown off him. But let me ask you this. Okay, cool. So let me oh, let's move okay. on to Kyrie, okay. who I know you, you're well connected to Kyrie, all right? Uh, if, in case y'all wondering, the Celtics record for most points in a debut is Neek with 25. I know y'all remember it back in 94, mm-hmm. 95. What should Kyrie's mindset be? going into this game. Steven Jackson talked about the big homie, little homie phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Steven A., obviously you close to Kyrie. What should his mentality be going back to Cleveland tonight? How will he approach this game? He wants to... He- he wants to be the man, yeah. so show that you're the man. But it doesn't necessarily have to come with points. He has nothing to prove as a scorer. He averaged 27 and 29 in the NBA Finals, respectively, over the last two years. He hit the game-winning shot to seal a Game 7 victory and deliver a championship to the city for the first time in more than a half century. He has nothing to prove as a scorer. What he wants to do is be that primary number one option that you can give the ball to, that the offense evolves completely around while he's running the show. In other words, Gordon Haywood – 
is succeeding because of him. Al Horford is, is succeeding because of him. Whether it's Jason Tatum or Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or anybody else, they are going through him. It's right. not the other way around. He needs to show that when he's on the court in that role right. that a team can flourish with him than without him. That's, exactly That's what right. he needs to That's prove. exactly right. That, that we agree on because that was a knock on him before. When LeBron went to the bench or when he didn't play, it's how they struggled. And so now you have a Kyrie Irving who he got what he wanted. He got to be the face of a franchise away from LeBron James. To your point, Stephen A. and Stephen Jackson, we know that he can get his. Right. Now get the most out of these teammates, albeit it's, it's a lot of new teammates. Get the most out of them. Show a level of maturity when it comes to leadership, setting the tone, encouraging your teammates, setting them up more. And, and now get the win, most important, when it comes and, to and, and, and that's what we all want to see. Yeah. We know he can score. We know he's the best ball handler in the game. We know he can create. And he's a great one-on-one player. How are you going to make Tatum better? How are you going to make all these other guys right. better? And that's what we want to see. And that's but, a process. But you have to win while doing that. Yes. And uh, like I said, I don't think nothing's going to change with him but the jerseys. That's the only thing they're changing. But at the same time, he got to make those guys better. And he has to win. He has to win. I appreciate y'all making me better. And this just in the Sports Center, Stephen A., LeBron's playing. LeBron, like, nice. No surprise. We knew it. Was, <laughs> we wasted our breath wondering whether LeBron was going to play. When he was rocking out to the gap band on Snapchat, we should have known this man was going to play tonight. It's too big of a game. Best person I could think of to talk about this season is my uncle Michael Wilbon. Um, so, Mike, listen, the season, we just talked about this during the break, tipping off on October 17th. That's the earliest start to a season since 1980. So you've been doing this for 40 years. Westgate Las Vegas Superbook has been do doing the betting thing for a long time. They have the Warriors as the highest favorite that we've ever had going into a season in any sport, Mike Wilbon. So I just wonder, when you look back at all the season openers and all the NBA seasons that you've covered, how excited are you for this season, giving the sentiment, giving the sentiment that it's going to be Warriors-Cavs again when it's all said and done? Well, Michael, I'm excited about it. And, you know, people want to try to equate everything now or, or compare it to football. Football set the agenda. And they want it like every given Sunday, and is there parity? There's never been parity in the NBA. It's a fraudulent argument when people bring it up to me. I just say, stop. The NBA doesn't have parity. It's not, it's not pro football. You know, generally speaking, there are going to be three or four teams in the real serious mix of who can win a championship. And the story is, is that favorite team, can it be knocked off? Is that favorite team as great as we think it is going into the season? Can they stay healthy? Those are the storylines. They don't deal with, oh, who can come out of the back of the pack and go from worst to first. This is not that league. So the notion that it's different, it isn't different. People like to make it sound as if it is, but the Warriors are favorites. But I think Cleveland is better equipped this year to play Golden State I agree. than Cleveland was last year because of Jay Crowder. these personnel changes. I mean, I don't know if the Celtics, largely because of Jay Crowder, Michael, and I don't know if the Celtics are, they got so many guys under 27 years old. Young guys don't win anything in the NBA. Old guys do. So I'm not ready for the Celtics to sort of put them on an even platform as the Warriors and the Cavaliers just yet. Yeah. But you got other teams out there that could make it interesting. Yeah. You want to see what Houston does. Uh, you want to see, as always, what San Antonio does. You even want to see what, yes, I'm going to say this, Minnesota does. Uh -huh. Not that Minnesota's going to threaten to beat everybody yet but they could beat somebody now so i think there's some interesting storylines certainly michael more than this time last year right because we have one of the most interesting off seasons that any sport can possibly have you reject the parody thing i reject the idea that anything going on right now is bad for the nba 
Even our, our guy Michael Jordan saying he got two great teams and 28 garbage teams. I beg to differ. I don't think he mentioned Oklahoma City. What's going to happen with Westbrook and, and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony is maybe a one-year experiment. And I'm a movie guy. I, say, I always talk about movies. Pulp Fiction is my all-time favorite movie. If Pulp Fiction comes on, I'm watching it. I know how it ends, and yet I'm watching it just the same. I think the NBA product this year has even more intrigue along the way. There's a reason they play all these games. You mentioned the Celtics maybe not quite being ready to take down the Cavs. Our basketball power index has them, though, as the Eastern Conference favorite uh, to reach the finals over the Cavaliers. J.R. Smith says Celtics aren't a threat. You with him that they just aren't a threat at all? No, the Celtics are a threat. And, and you know, if J.R. wants to engage in a little bit of gamesmanship, Michael, fine. But the, but the Cavaliers finished second in the East last year to the Celtics. Now, the question about the Cavaliers is, are they going to care? I think with the new people they have in the mix and Kyrie going to Boston and LeBron's antenna have to be up, I think they'll care. Look, for that team, for this team, the Cavaliers who had 51 games last year, that, that just shows they didn't try. Mm-hmm. The, the regular season didn't interest them. I think it will interest them more this season because of where Boston's going. And, and Boston has the Cavaliers' attention no matter what JR says going into the season. So I think also there's some teams, a couple teams in the East, I'm interested in what the Washington Wizards are going to do now. John Wall, I think, is one of those guys who you can look at like Antetokounmpo, uh, a dark horse for moving up to second team All-NBA yep. and sort of, you know, every night you've got to watch him. So what, how can the Wizards stay healthy and can they stay engaged and can everybody on that team get 10% better? So I'm looking at that as well. And if the Cavaliers decide, oh, We'll show up in April, which is exactly what they decided last year. 51 wins, again, tells you they didn't care about the regular season. If they do that again, they'll finish third in the Eastern Conference. It may not matter, but I think think Boston is a threat to them. Uh, They lost 4-1 decisive series. Cavaliers won last year, but Boston ought to be a little better by the time we get to the playoffs. Well, Cleveland doesn't have that luxury to coast this regular season because they got so many new faces and they got a lot of gelling to do. And I think what Boston has going for them, Mike, is they didn't just make this Kyrie trade. They didn't just rebuild this team for this year. Whereas, And that's why I think Kyrie's reception is not going to be as negative as some other stars going back because he didn't take Cleveland's championship hopes with him to Boston. They're still a championship contender as long as they got LeBron, which might be one year. I think they're going to crush him. You think they're going to crush him? I think they're going to crush him. He forced his way out, Michael. He did. He, he, but he, he wasn't said, born there, and Dan here. Gilbert and didn't gaslight then, it like last time. he stirred the pot. Yeah. Well, it won't be LeBron reaction. Okay. It won't be that. But he stirred the pot. He said it's not a good sports town. He's taking shot after shot after shot at Cleveland. I would be disappointed if these fans <laughs> don't let him have it tonight. Well, they're playing he, that he, tribute he video. He talked about them he did. bad. Well, they're oh, playing that tribute goodness. video, and, he, and, and without him, they don't have a championship. So maybe they cheer him at the video That's and boo him the rest of the way. Too, the way. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate the, the knowledge, as All always. Right, Michael, we'll talk to you down you. the road. All right, yeah, 13 players. Not Colin Kaepernick. More on that in a second. And 11 owners meeting today at NFL headquarters at Park Avenue. That meeting ended at 1.30. Dolphins owner Stephen Ross called the session constructive in a joint statement between the league and the PA they called it a productive meeting to promote positive social change and address inequality in our communities Jerry Jones was confronted by a couple of people outside the lobby of the Manhattan Hotel where the owners were meeting Uh, he was surrounded by bodyguards here is Malcolm Jenkins on conspicuous by his absence Colin Kaepernick no I don't know I don't know the reason that he was invited actually He's he been, invited? He was invited. Okay, why didn't he come? I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. I can't answer that question. There are a lot of things that we discussed about how we could move forward. Um, not ready to, to roll any of that out because it's all talk right now. And so 
uh, we'll continue to work through that. Uh, and w- what we want as players, what the league can do with obviously their platform. But, you know, we're the, the greatest sport in this country. We have the unique ub- ability to bring people together from all walks of life, whether it's in our locker rooms or it's in our stands. And I think we see that responsibility as players in the league to, to do that with our country. And it starts with having some tough conversations and, and, and moving forward. And I think that's what we started today. All right, I think my man Charles Robinson from Yahoo tweeted that Colin Kaepernick did not want to be a distraction if the players wanted him there. But uh, while Jenkins said Ka- Kaepernick was invited to the meeting, uh, he didn't come and didn't know why. Kaepernick's lawyer issued this statement earlier saying Colin Kaepernick was not invited to attend today's meeting by any official from the NFL or any team executives. Other players wanted him present and have asked that he attend the next meeting with the goal of forging a lasting and faithful consensus around these issues. Mr. Kaepernick is open to future participation on these important discussions. We are joined now by Sal Palantonio and Jim Trotter uh, from New York. Uh, Sal, let's start with you. Uh, how big of, a, of an issue was Colin Kaepernick's absence from this meeting that included uh, 13 players and 11 owners? Well, it wasn't much of an issue as far as the players were concerned or the owners. Uh, Clearly, what was accomplished today here, Michael, was that you had more than three hours of unprecedented open dialogue between the players and the owners in the same room with Roger Goodell and the executive director of the Players Association, Damara Smith. And then what you had was that the owners came back to the Conrad Hotel here and talked about the plan that they want going forward that was presented to the players to help the players bring social justice issues to the community and to help satisfy the players' concerns, talking about community outreach, talking about public service announcements, and other things that the players would consider action items to move this issue forward. What did not happen today was two things. Was one, that the players were asked by the league to stand. Roger Goodell, I asked him the question, was that asked of the players? He said, no, this was about talking about the issues. Okay. And the other thing was, and Jim Trotter will talk about this as well, is that the, the players and the owners did not come to any agreement about whether or not the owners will compel the players to stand for the national anthem. Okay, now, as far, now Trotter, as far as... Um as far as Kaepernick goes, like it feels like he needs to be there. Obviously, he sparked this movement, and given the work that he's doing, I get, I get he has the collusion case going on right now, but if this is truly bigger than football, if this is bigger than owners versus players, he needs to be in that room if it's about affecting real social change, given the work that he's doing and his role in starting this. But that said, Jim, why, in your opinion, was this such a significant day? Oh, really, you can say it's a landmark day. When I talked to one owner, he told me that he believes the league's unconditional support of the players in addressing these issues is a watershed moment. I asked another owner about that. He gave me the thumbs up. So from that standpoint, this is huge. Think about this. Who would have thought that the NFL owners would have supported criminal justice reform Mm -hmm. or that they would finance a boot camp for social activism for players or that they would go into these communities at the way the players want to go into it? And what I was told is the players had said to the league, we have supported all of your initiatives. We've supported Breast Cancer Awareness Month, United Way, visits overseas in the offseason. Now we need you to support things that are important to us. The league has heard them. So this is an important day for the NFL. All right. Well, that's good stuff, guys. And, and to your point, uh, Roger Goodell and Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Doug Baldwin co-signed that letter to congressional leaders in support of bipartisan legislative bill that seeks criminal justice reform. So a lot got done today and more to come. So reason for optimism, according to Sal Powell and Jim Trotter. 
I didn't envision anything but just being around good people and getting better every single day. Let's just have some fun playing ball. Let's just all get better and see what happens. I'll put in work. We're champions. It's amazing. Man, what's next? Where do you go from here? I think he's got another gear now that he's at peace. Now that he's got that, you know, burden off of him to win that championship thanks to that shot. So the reigning finals MVP enters his 11th season already with the Hall of Fame resume. He's got a regular season MVP award, four scoring titles, eight consecutive All-Star game appearances, seven All-NBA nods, just turned 29 last month, and will likely reach 20,000 career points before the All-Star break. He's the best player on the best team, so I feel like a long way away from him jumping on the Warriors bandwagon. He drove that bandwagon to a championship. Chris Haynes is here now. Uh, Chris, you talked to KD earlier today, so now that we've put behind the burner accounts and the interviews and all Oklahoma City stuff, what did he tell you? Your article says his iconic final shot was his toughest to master. What did he tell you about last year's finals and his mindset going into tonight's opening night against Houston? Well, he was basically reflecting, reflecting on last season. He said for him, it's very difficult for him to appreciate the process as he's going through it. And he said typically he doesn't, after the season, he doesn't go back and watch tape and watch film. But he said particularly he went and watched the NBA Finals to see how that unfolded. Having this being his first championship, he wanted to make sure that he actually did um, do what everybody said he did. He, we went back to that shot, talked about the shot he hit uh, against LeBron James in Game 3. He said throughout most of his you know, basketball playing days, that particular shot at that angle was the toughest for him. He said he had to practice it rigorously with hours and hours of practice session to get that down. He said your foot had to be playing a certain way. Your body had to be positioned a certain way to hit that shot consistently. He said he's now in the uh, proper state in right. order to be able to shoot that shot with regularity. And he did that against LeBron. He was just talking about how just basically how it all unfolded. Yeah, he certainly made it look easy. All that practice paid off. So uh, what do we expect? What is he expecting to feel like? I mean, he's never experienced getting a championship ring before. So what did he talk about in terms of how he may feel or how he may react to tonight's ring ceremony? I asked him was he, if he was going to cry. He said, no, that's not going to be the case. He said for him, uh, the emotional part was just going through the whole process during the season, winning the championship, hosting the Larry O'Brien trophy, hosting the the, uh, finals MVP trophy. That was the pinnacle for him. He said the ring part right here is just icing on the cake. He said, but at the same time, he wants to make sure that him and his teammates don't go a little bit too overboard before the game and disrespect the Houston Rockets because they're here to play a game and here to win. So he wants to put everything in a proper context. Everybody in the West certainly geared up to take them down. But he could take a moment to cry. Just say you were sweating from your eyes like I did on my wedding night. Hey, man, I'm sweating uh, your outfit. That that was your season opening outfit that you had laid out all summer. I know it. You're clean. So enjoy it. This week, we really starting to get into all this, like, free agency stuff. Like, dive into it. Like, I could sign five years here to 210. 210. What's that face? Very good, man. Come on. What we talking about ain't nothing to talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Come on. Let's go. So five five years, 210 here. Mm -hmm. Here. (laughs) I can't. I can't help myself. Five five years, 210 to stay here, right? 
it's crazy because I've been I've been all messed up because like, obviously like where my kids go to school, my brother kids go to school and all that stuff like that. Like we love it out here. You know what I'm saying? Like love it out here. Like life is great. My wife, all that stuff. Even getting to see y'all and like, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff like that. But basketball, boy. Like the whole thing with our team, like a lot of people see the wins and losses and all that stuff like that. But it's the culture of our team. And I told CJ, I was like, man, tell them, if you ain't trying to contend with the Warriors, then what are we doing? Like, you know what I mean? Are you the Warriors haven't lost in the playoffs? Like, if you're not trying to contend with them, then what are you doing? I'm in. Uh, you can see Chris Paul's Chapter 3 beginning Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The entire docuseries will be available on the ESPN app and on demand immediately after. Oh, good. Just what the Bulls need. More bad news. As first reported by The Vertical and confirmed by ESPN, Bobby Portis and Nikola Miritich got in a fight at practice. Miritich was taken to the hospital, and ESPN reports he may have a broken bone in his face. Fellas, y'all don't need any more help being bad. All right, let's have some fun with the fight. So this happened Saturday at Anderson Speedway in Indiana. Drivers Jeffrey Swinford and Sean Cullen, they collided, right? They got out of their cars. It was like monster truck. They got out of their cars, proceeded to fist fight, and then the cops rolled up. They intervened, and they tased Cullen. Both men were arrested. Don't tase me, bro. This is unbelievable. That's just, all right. It's too much there. Presented without further comment. Today is the 13th anniversary of the Red Sox taking game four to ALCS. Highlighted by Dave Roberts stealing the Knights. Man, I'm getting old. He's managing the Dodgers now. Red Sox tweeted today is basically a holiday. Yankees like, yeah, but we working. Game time at 5.08 p.m. if you're not busy. The Yankees win. Red Sox won that series, but the Yankees win Twitter. Uh, Kings look at De'Aaron Fox. Tells Rolling Stone that In-N-Out burgers are overrated. Saying it's just not good. I would talk about your dancing, but I'm no better. But that's a bad take. In and out is good. Five guys is better. You just need to get animal style.